and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the relieved Matt. Hello there. Relieved because our show's continuing. <laughs> Either that or because you don't have to watch any uh, new Doctor Who for a while. I, I felt pretty guilty, David. Because we've run out. I, I, I kept telling everybody it was like the last ever episode last week. And we got some really yeah. nice heartfelt messages. And <laughs> the listener numbers went up. And it was just me oh. and you messing about, pretending. <laughs> Yeah, so to be clear, listeners, I think we made it clear at the end of last week as well. We we are continuing. We've got some plans. We'll talk a little more about those plans a bit later on in this uh, this year episode, I think. Uh, but yeah, we're kind of hanging loose a little bit this week, talking about the majority of Series 13. I would sort of class the special that's yet to air as basically being part of Series 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will be covering all of Flux um, and... Uh, Eve of the Daleks and uh, Legend of the Sea Devils as well, and just kind of looking at it as a whole. How are we thinking about the Chibnall era, all of that stuff? Um, and yeah, just kind of basking in the weirdness of knowing that we have officially run out of New Who. Yeah. Uh, have, have we agreed upon what we're doing next? Uh, yes, we have. Um, when when I say we, I, I mean you. Have you decided? <laughs> uh, more or less. We will. Uh, we will talk about it a little more um, uh, 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 towards the end of the episode. I think we won't jump the gun on that. I- imagine uh, if we for... decided our plan was to end the podcast, and we've just milked it for another week. <laughs> that would be cruel, wouldn't it? Mm. That would be cruel. Uh, but yeah. So in, in the spirit of. Um, just general good vibes, I guess. Uh, I am recording for the first time this year with a glass of shandy. Oh, I wish I knew. Yeah, it's um, I I've I've declared it to be shandy season, despite the fact that it, it has um, intermittently been raining <laughs> all day today. See, I haven't even got a coffee. Literally before we recorded, I've just washed yeah. up cleaned all the pots and then I just saw oh, I can't be arsed making another coffee because I'm just going to have to wash it up aren't I <laughs> so I just thought I'll suffer and go without I just can't be arsed <laughs> oh what a life eh mm. um, right then Matt how's your week been uh, it's been okay really been yeah. the final week of the half term at work so I mean I'm glad it's over. I've spent the full week complaining. But once you hit yes, quarter past indeed. three on uh, Friday, you sort of forget how terrible work is. Yes, indeed. Um, last night I had the pleasure of attending the Yorkshire Rose Dance Academy's showcase. Um, uh, um, and were you performing? Uh, no, my niece and nephew were. And Oh, excellent. I don't know. Maybe it says a lot about me, David, but I don't often experience a lot of pride in my life. But um, but last night was was special. There was one teary uncle in the uh, audience last night. Ah, uh, it isn't it isn't a nice thing, isn't it? You know, seeing pe- young people that you love, sort of just you know getting out there and, and do, doing doing stuff that they're passionate about. Mm. This, 
few nicer things. And my niece won the Rising Star Award, and that was lovely, an expected oh. treat. Yeah. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, congratulations to her. Um, in terms of uh, what what uh, little Absorbloff is passionate about at the moment, uh, today it's mostly been uh, doing an impression of a pterodactyl. Ah, he's branched out in his comedy. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's shrill. I'll, I'll give him that. He's certainly got the shrillness down pat. Um, yeah, and this is coming uh, straight off the back of uh, a, a, a really t- terrifying 24 hours where he got a case of croup and um, was, yeah, we had one of the worst nights we've had since he was a newborn. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so we were all very, very frazzled yesterday. Uh, but this morning, he, I mean, he has redefined the phrase bouncing back to me. Really? It's just absolutely... Yeah. It seems like he's woken up not just with the energy from a good night's sleep, but all of the energy that he should have had yesterday as well. Right. It's just like it's having two of him in the house. Uh, absolute whirlwind of chaos today, but uh, anyway, that's that's all by the by. I've, I'm, you know, I've got my shandy. Going to be talking about uh, Doctor Who. What more could I ask for? Exactly. For exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, no joke uh, from Little Absorbloff this week, unless unless ah! counts as a joke. <laughs> I can't wait to really boost that in the edit. <laughs> I might even crop it and just put it straight at the beginning. Just like, hello, welcome to <laughs> Neither the Time Nor the Space. My name is. <laughs> it'll be it'll be like our version of the uh, of the Peter Howell theme tune, which starts you know the eighties one that gets, starts with a pew <laughs> noise. <laughs> Let's just throw it in there. Uh right. Um. Okay, Matt. Um. Do you, do, are we doing the usual stuff? Are we doing A to Z? And, uh, uh, I think we better. Have I got I who's think for we you? Better. Yeah. Which are we doing first? Where do you want to start? Should we get uh, Should we get the, the who's out of the way? Yeah. Because I don't know whether there, whether there's been... Like, we, you know, we've had this mad flurry for a few weeks. And now it's gone uh, deathly quiet. And I imagine we won't get anything until we get the sort of like... The promotion for the centenary special, like a week before it airs, mm. which seems to be uh, the way of things in the Chibnall era. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Uh, let me just bring up searchwise.net and see what's on the docket this week. Like this segment, Matt. Um, to be honest, David, <laughs> I do they... I don't care. <laughs> do you like it, Matt? Uh, well, I know you like it, and that warms my cockles. <laughs> right, yeah. then. David. If if we cared what the listeners think, I don't know whether we'd still have a pod. I think I know exactly. I don't think I'm going to need to read any further than this one, Matt. Uh. We've got uh, some stuff about um, shooting at. Well, we've got um, Paul McGann's given his uh, 
uh, tuppence on on the matter, apparently. But I, I assume it will be along the lines of, oh, that's great, because what else is there to say about it? Um, but Bleeding Cool have got a, a piece here. Dan Slott on the Doctor Who Spider-Man crossover. Marvel said no to. Ooh. You're going to want to know about that, aren't you? Oh, of course. So I think we don't even need to go any further than that. There we go. So, at MCM London Comic Con, Dan Slott phoned in an interview with Titan Comics VP Andrew Sumner about the Doctor Who 2022 special. He talked at length about the origins of the Spider-Verse and his history as a Doctor Who fan and how, as a comic book writer, he has wanted to do Doctor Who comic books forever. That whenever he was at shows, often going to meet Doctor Who actors, Titan Comics would always try to get him to write Doctor Who comic books. He was Marvel exclusive for any work for hire comic books. He even tried to get Titan, Marvel and the BBC to publish a Doctor Who Spider-Man crossover. And he has the stories ready. But in the end, he said Marvel was happy being Marvel. He states that they said, maybe you can create a Doctor Who like character, but that's not the same. Although, to be fair, Dan Slott has introduced a lot of Doctor, ele- uh, sorry, of, uh, Doctor Who elements in his Marvel comics along the way, especially the comparison between Time Lords and Watchers in his recent Reckoning War. Quote, I would love characters to meet from the different universes. It's impossible not to see uh, Morian and think that he is the master. Or is that Morlan? Yeah, Mor- Morlan, sorry. I'll be honest, I'm not cl- I'm not clued up on my uh, Spider-Man lore. Um, in his planned series, Kurt Connors' serum would be turning him into a lizard, but a prot... Uh... Oh, this is badly written, isn't it? Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, wouldn't be turning him into a lizard, but a proto-Silurian. There would have been five one-shot stories, each with the Doctor and Peter Parker as his companion. Maybe you'll be able to tease out some uh, more at subsequent con- conventions or interviews. And it goes on, but anyway, that gives you the gist of it. Uh, were you aware that Dan Slott is a massive Doctor Who fan? I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah, no, he, he is. He's been, he, he, he talks about it a lot in interviews. Um and yeah, it is really quite exciting that uh, Titan have got him on board to do some stuff finally, um, because it it seems like it's a bit of a dream gig for him. And I've I've read a bit of the Titan comics uh, stuff, but not masses. Uh, I need to catch up on it really, because I do you know I like comics and I like Doctor Who, and I think Doctor Who works quite well as a comic. Um, it's a nice sort of middle ground in that it allows, you know, it allows you to see those kinds of adventures that they just would never have the budget for on TV. You know, they can go to planets where it's full of like bright magenta vegetation and uh, mm-hmm. and 20 foot tall uh, monsters and stuff like that, because, you know, somebody just has to draw it. Um, so I, I've always thought Doctor Who works quite well in comic form. Um, so yeah, I, I'll, I'll be quite interested to, to eventually read that one day. Probably not. I won't be picking it up on publication, but like six years down the line, yeah. I'm sure I'll get around to when it. When it's on sale on Comixology or whatever. Yeah. Oh God. Have you tried using Comixology in recent years? No, I totally, months, I totally gave up on it. It's, I, I, I'm still 
<laughs> still very angry about it, to be honest. Because it, it is one of the most classic examples of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Comixology, the app, the, 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 the store interface, it all worked so brilliantly. I picked up so much stuff on really generous sales um, and read a ton of comics that I would never have bothered with uh, if I'd had to pay, you know, full whack for a trade paperback because A, I don't want it in my house and B, I'm not paying that much for it. But being able to like just get so many comics on the cheap and read them in such convenient fashion. It was, it was like my, it was really the thing that unlocked comics for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as someone who, you know, I, I think I've, I've mentioned on the firm now, but my eyesight isn't brilliant and, and guided view just made it so much easier to read comics and trying to read them on the page where I'm, you know, squinting away at it. Trying to, what does that word say? Um, so, yeah, um, I, I'm still... They've improved it a little bit, but still trying to buy new comics on there is a complete nightmare because it just basically forwards you to the, the, the Amazon web store and you get loads of, like, hits for stuff that aren't the comics. Yes, yeah. And... And all and all the and all the sales are gone, you know, and the sales were the the thing that kept me coming back to Comicsology on the regular. So uh, they've ruined it, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I, I haven't used it. Absolutely shot in myself years. to the foot. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. But anyway, yeah, I I, I will definitely read it one day. Um, I've got a whole ton of Titan comics, um, stuff which I got in a humble bundle a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, just as PDFs. Um, and I keep meaning to like I don't know pick up an old tablet or something and, and, and whack them all on there but I haven't got around to it yet must do that um, anyway that's 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 probably enough on that isn't it uh, shall we do the old A to Z yep we can do so we're up to T this week we are we are where do you want to start Matt um I don't know, because as much as we've joked about our pod coming to the end, it hit me today that the A to Z's almost coming to an end, and I need to... <laughs> we've got about two months left of this. I really need to think about where we're going after this. Yeah, I mean, when it would, it's not going to be that much longer that we'll be into... Um, uh, but, but, well, I'm blanking on it now. Really big quiz. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, maybe we can just hold on until then. Yeah, we've always got meal of the week in the back pocket if we need to. <laughs> we can do a limited run. Yeah, meal of the week. Yeah. Um. All right then. So you got some episodes for me? I do. I do. Um. What do you think of Tooth and Claw? It's okay. What about Turn Left? Well executed, but I don't like it. What about Time of Angels? Good. What about, and I've decided, David, this episode is, like, probably in my bottom five ever that we've ever watched. Uh What about Town Called Mercy? (laughs) Whoa, that... That's a strong opinion. It's it's decent. I like it. I've just decided I really don't like it. (laughs) All right, then. I'm not entirely certain why, but... I just didn't like it. Fair enough. What about Time of the Doctor? 
an absolute hot mess, but what the good bits are really good. What about Time Heist? Uh, yeah, really solid. like that one. What about Twice Upon a Time? The word time's coming up a lot, isn't it? Yes, it will continue to. Um, so, Twice Upon a Time. Uh, yes, good. Lovely send-off. What about the Saranga Conundrum? Boring. And what, but I like the Pating. What about the Timeless Children? Uh, also boring, but I like the concept. Just not the execution. What do you think is the best episode that starts with T? Uh, it's none of the ones you've mentioned. It's Thin Ice. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know why I skipped that one. Yeah. Is that the submarine yeah, th- one? Uh, no, that's the uh, the Frost Fair one with Bill. And the big oh, and the big tent. fish. Yeah. Yeah, that one's that's okay. A, that's a great episode. That is just a great way to spend 45 minutes. Mm. Love that story. Would you like some um, uh, aliens? Or are you going to do classic episodes? Uh, I'll do the classic episodes and then I can look at a different list. Um, okay, so... You said that time's going to come up a lot. You've you've no idea, Matt. Right. So, uh, talents of Wing Chiang. Good story, but deeply problematic. Sounds very culturally insensitive. <laughs> oh, yeah. We we don't have time. We don't have time to, to dwell on on uh, just how insensitive talents of Wing Chiang is. Um, the tenth planet. Oh yeah, which you have seen, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty important episode. Uh, Terminus, Terror of the Autons, Terror of the Vervoids, Terror of the Zygons. Those are your terrors there. Uh, The Three Doctors, which we must get around to at some point. Uh, Time in the Rani, which again you have seen. Uh, Time Flight, The Time Meddler, The Time Monster, The Time Warrior. Time Lash, Tomb of the Cybermen, uh, and the uh, the Twin Dilemma and the Two Doctors, rounding us out. So a lot of very strong uh, classic stories beginning with T there. Mm, twin Dilemma. I mean, what a classic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some genuinely significant ones. You know, you've got uh, Time Meddler, first fe- uh, first story to feature another. Uh, Time Lord, even though the, the phrase Time Lord itself is not used in that story, but, uh, you know, that character is spe- specifically referred to as being the same species as the Doctor. Uh, you've got uh, the Time Warrior, which introduced the Sontarans. Uh, you know, Terror of the Autons. Oh, there's loads of good ones in there. Hard to choose, isn't it? Mm. Uh, let's talk aliens then. Uh, I've got the Tenza from Night Terrors. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Not to be confused with the Stenza. No, just the Tenza. Yeah. I had to Google uh, what right, it was because then... I just had no idea. Is that what the little boy is? Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, and that is it from New Who. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the ones, the main ones we've got to mention are Terraleptils from the Visitation. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely love the Terraleptils, and I would love to see 
you who have a crack at updating them because uh, do, you, do you want to quickly Google Terra Leptil? Uh, I will. And you can have a look at the design and just think about what an interesting challenge that would be to try and make a a modern take on a Terra Leptil that actually holds up in the HD era. Um, yeah, leave them where they are. <laughs> just leave those well alone. I mean, okay. what are they? Like a fish frog monster? Yeah, kind of, yeah. But they're they're a very they're reptilian, but they they are very like scientific and advanced. They're not they're not just like uh, you know bumbling monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always prefer that. You know, I like a scientifically advanced race that can really go toe to toe. Otherwise, you know. What if I had one criticism of Mew Who in general is its tendency for the monsters to fall into the realm of basically a slightly novel twist on zombies. It's like, ah, uh, we're doing mud zombies this week, or we're doing um, brick zombies, mm. or whatever, um, and, and they just become sort of cannon fodder. Whereas I, I like, I like uh, an alien race that you know has access to space travel or, or, you know, technology that is advanced by Earth standards. Anyway, um, the Tetraps as well, probably worth a mention. Uh, they featured in Time and the Rani, uh, which... Let's say that you, you'd watched Time and the Rani. You've, of course, watched Mark of the Rani, haven't you? You've not watched Time and the Rani. That's right, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah... The tech traps are fun. I, I genuinely, again, I like the design on them. Uh, the other one we really have to mention, I think. Uh, well, there's two, actually, looking at this list. Uh, the first is the Thals, who um, were the other race that occupied Scarrow. Okay. And it's very deeply connected to Dalek lore. But I don't think you who has really touched on Thals very much. That's you know no, they've pretty much been think, relegated to. Don't think I know them other than like in passing, maybe mentioned. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, and uh, we should probably also mention Time Lords, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose if we have to. Pretty, uh, pretty fundamental concept for the show. Um, I'm just scrolling down to see if there's any others I can be bothered to mention. Tritovores, no. Can't be doing it with the tritivores. Uh So there you go. That's that. Yeah. Should we talk about writers? Uh, we can do. We haven't done companions or. Oh yeah, yeah. Give, give me some companions. Uh, Tegan. Yes. Great. You are in for a surprise. That's my Tegan impression. It's uncanny. It's it's. Uh, it's like she's in the room. Janet Fielding was on the call right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I've kind of clumped these together. What about Torchwood? Oh yeah, Torchwood's probably worth a mention. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll be mentioning Torchwood again a little later. Oh, we'll tease for you, listeners. Uh, I mean, a peek behind the curtain. I literally have no idea what the plan is, so that might be news to me, now, David. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it's nothing you needed to prepare for. Okay, 
And then in terms of other cast, I've got Troughton. Yeah. Uh, Tom Baker. Yeah. And Tennant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We've got two doctors beginning with T this week. Yeah, if you go for Troughton, I'm going to walk to your house and punch you. <laughs> you haven't mentioned another companion, Turlo. Oh, yeah. He's one of my favourites as well. He wasn't on the list I looked at. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. No, I'm not on board with this Turlo erasure. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, lots to chew on there. Um, I'll quickly mention uh, some writers. We've got Keith Temple, uh, who wrote Planet of the Ud, and has never done anything since. I wonder what, what else he's written outside of Doctor Who. Uh, we've got Stephen Thompson. Now, are you familiar with um, the conspiracy theory that Stephen Thompson is Stephen Moffat's pseudonym for when he writes a script he's not happy with? Oh, really? Well, if I tell you that he, all of his contributions are in the Moffat era, and the three episodes are The Curse of the Black Spot, Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS, and Time Heist. Uh, time Heist is okay. Yeah, I think Time Heist is decent, but I believe that is a co-credit with Stephen Moffat. Right, because the other two so are maybe absolutely, he's like, yeah, this is... absolutely poor. <laughs> and it is kind of astonishing that he, that he does Curse of the Black Spot, and they're still like, hey, do you want to have another go? And he's like, right, what about Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS? And they're like, yeah, great, you want to have another go? Mm. Uh, I feel like, you know, I mean, I guess maybe it's three strikes you're out, but it, that's very generous for such a such a high-profile show. Anyway, um, we've got Donald Tosh, who wrote The Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve, and I believe may have served as a script editor as well for a while. Or could be... Uh, mistaken in that and uh, Catherine Trigana who of course wrote The Woman Who Lived yeah which again is decent but she's she's not come back I think I'd quite like to uh, see another story from her see what else she's got but there you go so that's writers um, you're almost spoiled for choice aren't you yeah with this letter but I'm actually I, I, I'm pretty certain I know what I'm going to pick, and it's nothing we've mentioned so far. A few, as long as it's not Troughton. It's not Troughton. It's the TARDIS. Oh. Because I think, to me, second, or maybe even more important than the character of the Doctor is the TARDIS. You take the TARDIS out of Doctor Who, it is a fundamentally different show. You know... That idea of a magic door that can take you anywhere in time and space. What a beautiful concept that is. Mm. And add on to that, I love... Uh, again, this, this kind of, to me, speaks of the, the, the Britishness, the humility, the ramshackle nature of Doctor Who as a thing, is that his spaceship, it's not some all-singing, all-dancing, you know thing of ethereal beauty or um, you know a, a, an astonishing feat of engineering it's not the Starship Enterprise it's uh, on the outside it's a battered old wooden box and on the inside it's just a load of stuff 
you know. Yeah. In every iteration, it is variations of a load of stuff. And it always... But to me, that is so fundamental to the charm. And I think... I think Doctor Who would feel like a very different show if the Doctor... If the TARDIS functioned in the same way that it does in the show, but looked like a sleek piece of space-age technology. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even when we've seen the TARDIS in its raw form, it's just like a big metal cylinder, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's It, it still feels kind of perfunctory. Um, yeah, I, I just think... I, I think the TARDIS is probably... It's tied for me with the Doctor as the thing I love most about Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the two are kind of in, inextricably linked to me, and uh, you know, are fundamental to to the to the appeal of this show. What kind of makes it unique and, and different from any other science fiction or fantasy show? Um, it, you know, ever. It it's so special. So, uh, yeah, it has to be the TARDIS for me. Uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, I think I'm going to go Patrick Troughton. <laughs> Lol. Jokes. Hate him. Yeah. I'm, of course, going to go for Tennant. Uh, yeah. I guess, I mean, no denying he's a very popular doctor. Um, I know and... I know you don't like him, but I'd rather have ten Tennants than one Troughton. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Your wish may come true next year. Yeah, well, that's it. I don't see anyone. Depending on I don't certain rumours, don't see anyone rushing to get Troughton back for the sixtieth. No, no, it's like um, and I'm sure I didn't see Troughton welcome Shooty Gat One into the Doctor Who family. Like, no, what's his problem? Uh, it's shocking behaviour. He's he's rude, David. <laughs> He is a rude man, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Anyway. Uh... Yeah. Whilst I'm on it, I don't think I've seen Hartnell <laughs> yeah. welcome him either. No, Hartnell's been surprisingly tight-lipped, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Really, to be honest, after the three Doctors, he, he hasn't really just... He's not done anything to promote the show. You'd think, you'd think he'd be more proud of his legacy, really, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, they had to even flip in recast him for uh, twice upon a time. I'm disappointed in Pertwee as well. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to have thought better I mean, of him, but... To be fair, Pertwee's, Pertwee did do a little bit for a while. Like He, he did some audio stuff uh, a long time ago before Big Finish, but, uh, you know. Uh, but he has gone very quiet in recent years, it must be said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people would say he's gone underground. <laughs> it seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Should we move on, Matt? Yeah, should we stop him <laughs> smirching the good name of all the dead doctors? <laughs> I think we better had. I'm just going to go and blow my nose for a second and then uh, we'll, we'll uh, crack on with the next section. I'm not even going to entertain for a second that you're going to edit this out. <laughs> no. So uh, enjoy that, listeners. I'm sure, sure the, this is this is what you tune in for, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Raw, unfiltered podcast. 
That's it. There's probably some <laughs> nose-blowing fetishist absolutely <laughs> loving this week's episode. Uh, all righty. Um, let's crack on. Series 13. Yes. I have questions for you, Matt. Okay. Last time, last time for a while, though, I'm going to get to do this, so uh, let's make the most of it, eh? Yep, I'm going to give it my all. So, okay, so Series 13 has a, a very strange structure. Uh, you've got the six-part serial, Flux, and then you've got these three specials kind of, you know, tacked on the end. Now, I guess some people would, would, would class them as fundamentally separate, but I, I always like to, where I can, I try to fold the specials into the, the preceding series because that kind of, like, makes more sense in my head. Uh, but anyway, we, we, we're getting towards the end of this now. How is this sort of structure working for you? Like, would you have preferred more standalone stories do you think or um i don't think i'd like it all the time but it was nice yeah. as like a special break if that makes sense i don't want to yeah. call it a special because we have specials all the time but like yeah you know it's a change of pace though isn't something it? a you bit know. different it made it yeah. a bit of an event yeah yeah it felt ambitious didn't it um i mean so look thinking specifically about you know, the sixth part of Flux. What you would hope with uh, a story like that is that it's sort of greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Do you think that is the case with Flux? Um, probably yes, but some of its parts aren't that great to begin with. Mm. I think that's, that's reasonably fair. Um, but overall, it, you know, it, it certainly has, ha, uh, you know, has a bit of impact to it, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's any worse than some of the poor series we have watched. No, you know, I, I've already gone on record of saying it's the best of the Chibnall era. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that too. Um, so, uh, thinking about the companions now. We, I think it's safe to assume that, you know, we have one story left with Dan. Yeah. I don't imagine he'll be sticking around after the centenary special. No. Uh, so, what do you make of Dan as a companion at this stage? It, it's only in the specials that he's kind of fulfilled the role of companion, isn't it? Before yeah, that, he's kind he of was separated off. Before that, he was kind of just someone who'd been wrapped up in the adventure. Yeah. To be honest, he was as he was as much Carvanista's companion as the Doctor's. Yeah. And Yaz and Yaz's companion. He spent like four years with Yaz and no Doctor. Yeah. Which is weird to think about. But um, I don't know, like Yeah, I, I quite liked him. I think he's I think I mean John Bishop his, part of his whole thing, about the reason he's as successful as he is, is that he's fundamentally has a very likeable presence about him. Yeah, he's like, relatable kind of every man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's what, what he brings to this. I will say, I feel like he he's felt a bit underutilised at times. Yes. Um, you know, he's there, he asks a few questions, he makes a little joke, he dashes about, he slaughters 
a number of sea devils. Yeah. Yeah. In, in one fluid motion. No, like, uh, but other I, than that, he's yeah. I don't know because it's weird. It's like I, I, I didn't really necessarily expect anything more from Dan, but I still feel kind of disappointed. Who do you like better, Dan or Graham? Because the actors kind of have a similar road into the show, don't they? In yeah. terms of background. Well, you see, to me. Series 11 Graham and Series 12 Graham are different propositions. Series 11 Graham, he is the best thing about that series. Uh, you know, hands down, I think. He has such a, a resonant emotional arc and um, Bradley Walsh was a bit of a revelation to me in the way that he was able to bring both the funny and the serious and play both brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he, he, he outshone everyone else in that series. But then in series 12, he's just sort of there. Yeah. They kind of ran out ran out of stuff to do with him. And that kind of... That slightly sours me on Graham as a whole, just because it's you've got this sort of long tail of nothing in his character arc. Um... But I guess overall, probably, I'd lean more towards Graham than Dan. But, you know, I, I, I think Dan's probably more consistently funny. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, the, the kind of Graham... The whole joke with Graham was that he wasn't that funny. And yeah, he was, he was like, just, a, just, just a an old guy, wasn't he? Yeah. But I do kind of like that. You know, I love the little, you know, the things like, you know, taking a sandwich along. <laughs> you know, because he's 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 learnt the hard way that they don't always have time to stop for lunch on their adventures and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. those little things that, that I find all that very endearing with Graham. Um, but yeah, I it's a tricky one, isn't it? Uh, let's move on to Yaz, shall we? Um, we've been saying for ages that like Yaz. It's felt like she's just had nothing to do. I think we can finally safely agree that we are seeing a proper character arc for Yaz. Yes. But the question is, is it a good one? And was it worth the wait? Uh, For both of them, I think the answer is we have to wait for the resolution. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, the resolution could knock it out the park and, you know, we end up calling it an all-time great or yeah. it goes the other way and we all regret what we're about to see. I, I'm really worried about it. It's the thing I'm most worried about with the Centenary Special, mm-hmm. uh, except also, I guess, the possibility that it seems like it's got a lot of stuff in it and I worry about how well it's going to be balanced. Yeah. All of the different, you know characters and monsters and everything that's going on there um but i am i am concerned that there is no good way out of this storyline yeah Um, i think that's fair and uh maybe maybe chibnall's got a vision maybe he can see that sort of that very narrow passageway that he can navigate to bring it to a conclusion that is emotionally satisfying without relying on 
cheap drama. Because that would be one of my big criticisms of the RTD era is that he will just throw in a bit of melodramatic tragedy and say, there you go, cry it out, everyone. Yeah. Um, there's, there's your resolution. And I don't love that. Like, that's if, if in doubt, let's just blast to Rose to another dimension. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I don't want that kind of ending for Yaz. I don't want some kind of shattering tragedy. I don't want her to mind to be wiped. I don't want it to be catapulted to the other end of the universe. Um, I don't want her to die. Yeah, I, I, I would love, I would love for Yaz to to realize that her time with the Doctor has come to an end and that she needs to move on and grow as a person because, as the Doctor has said, they can't... She can't love Yaz the way Yaz loves her. I'm... I'm quietly confident Yaz is going to die. Yeah, I I, I mean... I, I think it's going to be the classic... They're going to address it. They're going to have a little talk about how much they love each other. And then whoever the villain is, the master, appears behind Yaz and stabs her. I would hate that. I would would too, but I just feel it coming. Yeah. um, Well, let's hope hope we're proven wrong on that one. Uh, But yeah, I, I, I really do... I really do struggle... You know what I want for Yaz? You know what the ending I want? This this will make... I hope this makes sense. You know the end of the Jungle Book? Uh, yep. And, you know, Mowgli sees the girl fetching the water and it's like a switch flicks in his head and he's just like, I, I, I had a wonderful time with that part of my life, but that is over and I need to move on. I'm, you know... And I'm, you know, coming of age. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. That's that's kind of what I want for Yaz. I want it to be like, I have grown so much. I've I've, I've had adventures I would never have dreamed of. Um, I've maybe loved someone deeply for the first time in my life. But I know that it is unsustainable. And maybe she sees, she finally experiences or sees something on Earth. Maybe meets someone on Earth that is enough for her to realise that she can't keep doing this forever. Yeah. Maybe, I guess slight spoilers, because we, we probably will address it one day. There's a slightly tragic version of it, but like the way Tegan bows out, she basically says to the Doctor, I can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. It's not fun anymore. And may, we know Tegan is, is featuring in the Centenary Special. So maybe she has that chat with Tegan. That would be kind of satisfying. And it'd be and nice Tegan to tie have... it back into... Yeah. And I just... I hadn't thought about that until just now. That just popped into my head. Uh, I, I might like that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I want. I, I care enough about Yaz as a character that I don't want to see her beset by tragedy. Mm-hmm. And likewise, 
it would break the Doctor, and I don't want that for the Doctor either. You know, Ryan and Graham got their happily ever after. Why not go the whole hog and do the same for Yaz and Dan as well? Make this the era that finally does away with senseless tragedy being the only end to companion arcs. Yeah. Yeah, it, that would do me. Yeah. That went longer than expected. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Let's keep, let's keep cracking on, shall we? Um, so, we've we've seen pretty much the entirety now of Jodie Whittaker's performance as the 13th Doctor. How are you feeling about 13 as an incarnation and Whittaker's portrayal of that incarnation? She has never been the problem with this era. Agreed, 100%. Yeah. You know, I, I like... I liked her early presentation. You know, I think we talked about it at the time. You know where she's got the welding goggles on and is fixing yeah. the TARDIS. And I liked that. And then the slightly later where she turns more serious and a bit more fearful. I like that. I, I, I like the element of her being very closed off emotionally as mm. well. Like she does that thing of being surface level bubbly and, and, and fun. But that's almost that's that's like a shield. So people bounce off that and can't get into the uh into the sort of emotionally raw part underneath. But um, it's also like the first time if there's one thing I would say I did like about this era, more yeah. so than others, is the I mean, we haven't really seen it since maybe Martha is the companions challenging the Doctor. Instead yeah. of just saying, look, I'm in the adventure, let's go, blah, blah, blah. Like, actually standing up. Yeah, no, they, they definitely, like... They, they, they call her out on her bullshit sometimes. Which is nice to see. Um, yeah, we didn't really get that with Capaldi, did we? I mean, Clara, they just had... They just had, like, a dysfunctional codependency, 12 and Clara. Yeah. Um, which was fascinating to watch. But, uh, yeah, Clara wasn't challenging the Doctor. Uh, <laughs> except with, you know, him trying to keep her alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, yeah, Bill... Bill looked at things from angles the Doctor hadn't considered... Which was really nice to see. But she never really... You know, they had that classic professor-student relationship. So there was a certain degree of deference, I think, in the way Bill viewed the Doctor. Yeah. Like, she sort of... Generally, generally speaking... Uh... Uh, just a accepted on blind faith that he he was you know the wiser of the two of them, I think. Yeah, yeah, and again, that's a different dynamic. But yeah, w one that worked. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that they can all work so long as they are written and performed well, mm -hmm. which thankfully they generally are. Um. So, 
we might as well talk about it. We've got a little bit left to go on it, but as things stand, are you happy with how the Timeless Child arc is is playing out? Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a question about it, but I think I'll. I don't know. I, I suppose now's as good a time as any to ask. Yeah, go for it. Is the woman, you know, when Rassilon's about that woman that looks at the doctor, is that Tecteune? Oh, what, in uh, The End of Time? Yeah. Could be. Yeah, I remember asking whether it was the doctor's mum. And. Yeah, that was, that was, I think in one draft, that was more explicit. And then RTD decided to keep it ambiguous. Mm hmm. So, yeah, you could make it fit. If you wanted to. Yeah. Though, of course, the Tectayun we have got to know has turned out to be a colossal bastard. Yeah. So, why they would care about the well-being of the Doctor all of a sudden. Um, that doesn't seem as consistent. But, yeah, you could make it work if you want to. Um, I mean, one of the beauties of Time Lords is that they live for extremely long times and can do very contradictory things. And and it can make sense in the context of beings that can live for millennia and go through multiple different personalities. Yeah. Um, so, I guess my big question for it at this stage is, we've now got that, that watch established... We see it being buried in the TARDIS, hidden away, at the end of Flux. It's not been addressed since. Do you think that watch is coming out in the Centenary Special? Is it being opened? Or is that something that's just going to be left for a future showrunner to potentially, you know, dig up at a later date? Uh, I don't know if I want it to be opened. Yeah. In fact, I don't. I'm going to go on record as saying I don't want that open. Mm. I think it'd go either way, couldn't it? Yeah, I like... I like there being an element of the unknown. Yeah, and I think it's consistent. My feeling is, with this arc, really, in a lot of ways, has been Chibnall attempting to put the Who back into Doctor Who. Yeah. And... If that watch stays closed, then we have that. If you open that watch, you potentially undo a lot of that. But, you know, it's a hell of a MacGuffin to just have sitting there, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, you can have people perhaps war over it or fight for it. And, yeah, yeah. you know, you don't have to open it for it to be the important. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Interesting to see. Um, oh, that was the other thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, now that we've... Uh, uh, looking beyond Flux, we got even the Daleks, and that kind of concluded, if you like, Chibnall's Dalek trilogy. We had Resolution, Revolution of the Daleks, and then Eve of the Daleks. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it? If you think of them in terms of a trilogy... What what do you think about that set of episodes? I like them. I think. Yeah. I mean, I wish the third one was maybe slightly more tied in. 
And yeah, as I say, I, I strongly suspect originally it would have been, but they kind of had to do a, a pretty hasty total rethink on it. Um, but but yeah, on the whole, I think they were some of the better episodes. Yeah, I I would quite happily go on set, on record and say best best Dalek stories since at the very least into the Dalek in series eight. Because uh-huh. I do really like that one. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think any other showrunner has written for the Daleks as consistently well as uh, Chibnall has. Yeah, and I think the fact the fact that he he made this obviously quite a conscious decision that we're just going to do we'll do New Year's specials, we'll get the Daleks back. And it'd been a full year, two years in some cases, and it felt like a real treat again. So it 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 prevented them from being overexposed. Yeah, I I agree with that. It was good not to have them. Like I don't think I can do another series of oh no, the Daleks are here again. Like <laughs> it gets a bit samey, doesn't it? Yeah, especially when 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 they're the big bad of the series finales. Like, and I felt like. RTD in particular, there were there were there were a couple too many Dalek stories in the RTD era, I think, mm-hmm. and 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 you and it got to the point of diminishing returns, which is never where you want to be for your for your one of your most iconic villains. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, let's do our usual roundup of here are the monsters and aliens and things that were introduced in this series. And whether or not you'd like to see them come back. Mm-hmm. So we had Swarm and Azure. Yes. Yeah. Get them G- back. Yeah, give them lots of scenery and let them just go to town on it. Yeah, sort of give really them the story the they should have had. Yeah. Without the restrictions of, obviously, lockdowns and things. Yeah. I, and I love that there is like this, this, that there is this deep history between them that the Doctor themselves is unaware of. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting... Uh, obviously, she's got a bit more context for it now, but still, there are all kinds of things that they could know about the Doctor that the Doctor themselves does not know, which I think is really interesting. Uh, the Grand Serpent? Yeah, maybe. I think... I- imagine a good nine, ten years pass... And then all of a sudden, bang, he's big bad for a series. Yeah. That could be great. I would I would want him coming back uh, you know, week one of the RTD era. But I think, you know, that the actor had good presence and, you know, if they aged a bit longer and they could come back, you know, even more bitter and twisted, that could be fun. And the central their mechanism for disposing of their enemies, I think, is so freaky um, and cool and horrifying. Like, proper horrifying. Yeah, because um, we, we... Like, we kind of got a gist of what that character was all about, but... Yeah. I'd love to see where they came from and why and, you know. Yeah. And, and now they have that added bonus of having a personal vendetta against the Doctor and also Earth. Yeah. 
you know so there is so much scope i think for them to to to, to be uh, milked as a returning villain but like i say i would want i would want that to feel earned and for them to not rush back to that well yeah uh we've got this written on here i can't even remember who they are I don't think they should be, even be on that. Go on, I'll see if I can guess who they are. No, I think I've made a mistake on here, Matt, because from as a result of copying and pasting. But I can't. <laughs> you have to bear with me because I think they're a series. Uh, series twelve. No, yeah, no. That's, I don't. That's just poor editing on my part. Uh, you can leave that in if you want. I, I had to skip through it on the list, but no, they're from uh, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Yeah. Uh, so I think the only other thing is uh, the Sea Devils, which of course are a classic monster, but we we had our first taste of them in You Who. You Jones in for a for a Sea Devils redux? David, I absolutely hate them. <laughs> uh, do you recall? Oh, you know, actually, I won't mention it on pod just in case it doesn't happen. Um, yeah, uh, sooner or later, Matt, you're going to end up watching uh, the the original Sea Devils serial I'll, I'll be so interested to see if, if you change your tune on them as a result uh, no they're just it, you, you said classic who always goes different types of zombies for me well, no, it's I, just I lizards more, and robots it's either, yeah. either lizards or robots isn't it that is classic who's uh, general general MO it must yeah. be said um, alright then Last question. What would you say are your hopes or fears for the Centenary Special? Uh, We've covered quite a lot of it already, to be honest. But I, I just hope, with everything they seem to be throwing at it, yeah. that Jodie Whittaker goes out on a high. I don't it's... want it to be the David Tennant show. No, I, you know, I I hope, yeah, I I just hope that people appreciate it and celebrate this era. Yeah, yeah, it really it 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 deserves to be a celebration of the show as a whole and the Chibnall era in particular, and most importantly, yeah, I I really want. I want it to be a showcase for Jodie Whittaker. Hmm. And just a final kind of like, screw you to the haters and the the, the people who never gave, gave it a chance and be like, no, seriously, when when you give her the right material, she is up there with the best of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to see her having a story on that level to work with. Um, so yeah... And on a, on a purely uh, selfish note, I really want to see her actually regenerate into Shooty Gatwa. Yeah. There's all this talk about her regenerating into David Tennant, and, and I would be so pissed off if that happens. Mm. I would not be a happy Doctor Who fan no. if they do that. I don't think many so, people would be. It depends depends on a lot of ifs and buts uh but yeah there we go so that that's it for now 
Yep. Um, yeah, there's not really a lot more to discuss, is there? Uh, did we get much of the way of uh, questions or, or, or feedback from our listeners? Oh, you know we did, this David. Era? You know we did. Right. Let me... I'm ready. Just load that up. Even though I knew this segment was coming, I didn't bother to load <laughs> it up. <laughs> right. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Right. So... The first tweet we got, David, was from Harry from the Who Can Convince You podcast, who I had the pleasure of talking to last night. Ooh, lovely. Uh, so me and Mark from the All of Time and Space podcast are making an appearance on an upcoming episode of Who Can Convince You. And episode 100 of the Cloister Bell podcast, featuring yours truly, is out now. Yeah. I've heard half of it. I've really enjoyed what I've heard so far. Mm. It's a great listen. Yeah. Uh, especially after I've managed to delete all the audio. We did pretty yeah, well. Yeah, that, that does get addressed. Yeah. <laughs> right, so the first message is from Harry, who simply says, Hello, Matt. And he's just wasting my time there, David, knowing I have to read it out. <laughs> We've got this new trend no where choice. people just send us random tweets to annoy me. And... I'm not sure I'm a fan. Hey-ho. Right, but then we had a message from the Married to Who podcast. Say hello, David. Hello, Married to Who podcast. Who say, T is for Tegan, the best companion of the 80s, and fans of Ace can just suck it. Oh, that's uh, them's fighting words, aren't they? Mm. Then we have a message from Nobody Really. Say hello, David. Hello. Who says, T is for time, and by extension, TARDIS. Ah, excellent. Great minds. Uh, then we have a proper message from the Who Can Convince You podcast, who says, this was the star- Sorry, this was the series that made me and Luke probably realise we didn't like New Who. T... And I can't believe we missed this, David. It's for Tomb of the Cybermen. Ah, oh, did we not mention Tomb of the Cybermen? I don't know. I think we would have. I would have reacted if we did, because that is a yeah. crap story. All right, moving on. Uh, then we've got good old James Courtney, who says Hello, James. that T is for Talalay. Ooh, yes. Is that one we missed as well? Uh, well. That is Rachel Talalay. She is a director. I know who Talalay is. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. This at my first and, rodeo. Well, have you heard that she is uh, directing whatever the hell they're doing for the 60th anniversary? Mm, I know that she's been seen on set. Yeah, she's 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 uh, back in the director's chair. That is a very strong choice. For uh, yeah. I, I, I'm very excited to see her back uh, directing Doctor Who. Uh, James also says, T is for the 14th Doctor himself, David Tennant. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then for his thoughts on this series, James says, Flux was a mess, but an interesting one. It certainly proved that you could do a completely serial story. The main issue was with the structure I really want to re-edit the series, pushing some introductions around and maybe moving Bell's story into one episode. Ah, yeah, that's... 
certainly i think uh flux has more scope for fan edits than anything else in the history of doctor who mm. i think people could do some fascinating uh, reworkings of that story right next up it's a message from martin mclean hall of famer sonia say hello david hello sonia who says i enjoyed flux i thought it was fun and trying to do something interesting uh, not everyone was great, but it kept my attention. Jericho, Yaz and Dan were probably my favourite, along with Calvinista. I really enjoyed Eve and Legend of the Sea Devils. They were okay. T is for time travel. Sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, who do you want next? Ariel or James Swifty Swift? Let's hear from uh, Ariel. Okay. Ariel says, Flux was a very mixed bag for me. Specials were overall quite good. And T is for TARDIS. Excellent. Okay. James Swifty Swift says, I genuinely think it might be one of my favourite series. Jodie and Mandip are a joy to see, although I wish they were together just a little bit more. Also, something occurred to me during your review. I kind of wish Swarm and Azua were Zelin and Rakaya from Can You Hear Me? I think we yeah, I, th- no reason. I think we all do, James. Yeah. I think deep down yeah. we all do. There's no reason why they couldn't have been. But having said that, I do like the performances of the actors uh, who play Swarman as you, so mm. yeah. Right. Final tweet Team David. Um, and I don't know whether you want to address this. BT yeah. Flibbity Giggard has broken the one tweet rule. Do, do we read it out? We read it out. We indulge him this once, but just you know, that's a yellow card. Okay. Did you see that? I did like a football reference there. I'm very, I'm amazed you knew that, David. Well done. Hey, <laughs> we made it so clear, David. We introduced the one tweet rule because of BT. <laughs> it's all right. He just, he knows, he knows he's done wrong. Flowing it won't happen again. Bloody with... weight round like they own the place. It won't happen again, will it, curator? It bloody better not. Right. All right. What have we got? Despite some of my rather harsh tweets, I did quite enjoy Flux. I just don't think it was very good at being a coherent story. It was at its best in the more standalone episodes, but as a supposed six-parter that really should have been the case. Eve was good. Legend of the Sea Devil was some of the worst who in the modern series. A real mixed I can't bag. that. Yeah. But I would say, overall, that Series 12 is better than Series 13, which is better than Series 11. Despite Series 11 having my favourite Chibnall era story. And T is for Terry Nation. Oh, we didn't mention Terry Nation, did we? I nah, think we talk about him get. enough. Him and Terence Dick. Bloody <laughs> mighty Uncle Terry's. They get, they get enough sway on this bloody show. Just leave them out. They do. All right, then. Um, so, uh, te- technically, we're not quite done with the Chibnall era yet, but we're close enough. This is our opportunity to do the uh, the traditional end of an era, has Matt been paying attention quiz? Oh, yes. So, here we go. Uh, unfortunately, what I tended to do with the previous quizzes was I do... One question per series. Now, the Chibnall era only has three series. 
Okay. So what I've done is I've done one for each series and one for each uh, Dalek special. Okay, that's fine. So we have a total of six. So question one. What did Yaz's dad offer to cook her new friends when they went for tea at her house in Arachnids in the UK? Was it A, dosas, B, pakoras, or C, onion bhajis? I'm going to go pakoras. I'm certain I remember pakoras. You are correct, Matt. Well done. Are you partial to a pakora? Uh, I don't mind them. I don't mind them. Yeah. Uh, question two. In resolution, three Dalek remnants are seen to be buried in different locations around the world, one of which is Sheffield. Which of the following is not one of the other locations? So you've got three locations, mm-hmm. two are correct. We're looking for the uh, incorrect one. So you've got A, Siberia, B, Anuta Island, or C, Peru. See, I remember an island. I, I think the answer might be Peru. You're right. Two out of two, Matt. Here we go. So, question three. In Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, oh, your favourite episode of the Whitaker era. I hate it so much, David. <laughs> the fam are chased by an unknown assailant wielding an energy weapon from which classic Doctor Who race? Is it A, the Zygons, B, the Silurians, or C, the Draconians? I'm going to say the Draconians. Good guess. Incorrect. It was the Silurians. Oh, was it? Yeah. It slightly bothers me because they refer to it as an alien weapon. I'm like, they're... Oh, I remember that conversation. I remember us talking about it. Yeah, winds me up. Right. After the events of Revolution of the Daleks... Jack Robertson is seen being interviewed on a TV show taking credit for saving the world. Which British TV presenter conducts the interview in an uncredited cameo? Is it A, Emily Maitlis, B, Kirsty Walk, or C, Laura Koonsberg? I'm going to go for option two. Kirsty Walk? Yeah. Incorrect, it was Emily Maitlis. Okay. So, there you go. Uh... Question five. I love this one. I I had a lot of fun with this question. Great. What is Vinda's first name? It is mentioned in one of the stories. So is it A, Yvonne Estin, B, Instan V, or C, Entos Vine? I think it's the second one. Entos V, Vinda. Instan. That's the one. Instan V, yeah. You are correct. Yes. Well done. Well remembered. And yes, listeners, those those were all anagrams that I did spend too long on them. Uh, <laughs> question six. What was Nick planning to store in his unit in Eva the Daleks? Was it A, a pair of shoes, B, a board game, or C, a Nokia 3310 mobile telephone? It was a board game. It was Monopoly. It was Monopoly. Yeah. Well done. So, uh, four, uh, four out of six there. A little shaky on your Series 12 stuff. 
Yeah, I think that, that was when I stopped caring. <laughs> um, all right, then. Should we do a bit of pointless ranking? Obviously, yeah, always. Yeah, okay. So, this would be extremely short if I lumped Flux together <laughs> as one story. So, for the purposes of this, uh, we're going to be treating, treating each episode separately, uh, though, obviously... We'll, we can think about it in terms of a single story as well, if you're so inclined. Um, so, eight episodes to rank this time around. Mm-hmm. Bottom of the pile, Legend of the Sea Devils. Not a surprise, I don't think, to anyone. Would that uh, be, would that be bottom of your overall pile? It's pro- would probably be in my bottom ten for New Who. Is it worse than Fear Her? Now, I was thinking about this the other day. <laughs> I genuinely was, because the thing about Fear here is, overall, it is terrible, but it contains two bits that I really love. One is the gag where the TARDIS materialises between two shipping containers yeah. and they can't open the door. Genuinely great gag. Uh, and secondly, it has that lovely little speech from Tennant where he says, you know, you need a lot of things to travel the universe. You list a load of sci- sci-fi nonsense and then says, uh, but most of all, you need a hand to hold. That is a beautiful lie. It's a lovely sentiment. Uh, I enjoyed a great deal. Everything else about Fear Her can absolutely get in the bin. Uh, not bothered about any of it. Legend of the Sea Devils was just a crushing disappointment from start to finish. And I really struggled to think of, outside of the Thasmin scenes, uh, I don't think I liked any of it. And it remains to be seen how I feel about the Thasmin storyline. And so I think I won't know fully until we get a conclusion to that arc and that will contextualise a bit more how I feel about those scenes, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, right, it's, it, it's certainly, it's it's a contender for my new least favourite. I think it's a bit too raw at the moment for me to say definitively. Uh, but it's it's bad. It's not, it's not a good episode of television. Do you, uh, do you think, I, if you had to look back... And say, yeah. oh yeah, Legend of the Sea Devils was bad, but what are you going to put after that but? It would just be, but I do like the stuff with uh, the Doctor and Yaz. Right, okay. That, But that's it. That's its only saving grace. And as I say, that may not feel like much of a saving grace if they absolutely screw up the conclusion of that arc. It might just, it might just you know sour those scenes a bit for me mm-hmm. if that makes sense uh, but anyway yeah so quite a big jump up from Legend of the Sea Devils to my number 7 spot where I've got Survivors of the Flux so that was episode 5 of Flux the one that really feels very much like just uh, moving things into place for the finale was that the one I really liked and you were like oh why this is silly uh, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I, I broadly enjoy all of Flux. Um, so I don't know which one you you were saying that about. Um, I don't recall that conversation. Our listeners maybe can let us know about that. Um, number six for me, 
I was surprised how low I had this in the end, but uh, the Halloween Apocalypse. Yeah. I think when you watch it, having never seen Flux before, I was just like, what the hell? And like, it left me with that feeling of like my ears were ringing. Like, I was just like, what are we doing? There is something very brazen about it. But it is just a lot of random bits of setup, mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, and I think the the other episodes of Flux are more satisfying when taken, when looked at in isolation, I think. Um, and again, another one that surprised me how low I had it, I think this this could be somebody's favourite, a, a lot of people's. And that's uh, War of the Sontarans. At number five. I, I think I enjoyed it at the time, but it's left no lasting impression on me. Yeah, I think it's it's good. It's a good use of the Sontarans, but actually I, I think they're used even better a little bit later in Flux. And uh, I kind of don't like how everyone gets split up right at the start. You know, they, they arrive and immediately Yaz and uh, Dan get spirited away. Uh-huh. Um, which slight, slightly winds me up with that episode, but there's a lot of really good stuff in it. Um, uh, my number four spot goes to Once Upon Time. That is the episode where uh, the Doctor is kind of like skittering about in, in the timelines, and it's just incredibly trippy. Hmm. And we get our big flashback to the Temple of Atropos with uh, the Fugitive Doctor, and, you know... All of that stuff. Really wild, um, experimental, exhilarating bit of Who. Love that episode. Um, number three is The Vanquishers, which of course was the uh, the finale for Flux. Uh, which again, I think the reason I, 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 I particularly love that is one, Jericho. You know, Jericho for life. Um, and also... Uh, I, I love the conceit of a single Doctor multi Doctor story. <laughs> That's just really fun yeah. to me. Yeah, and it, they um, they did it well. Yeah. Uh, number two, for me, even the Daleks. Just just a great standalone story. You know, it could almost if it wasn't for the fact that it's you know got the Doctor and the Daleks in it, you could almost imagine it being like some sort of low budget indie sci-fi comedy film or something mm-hmm. you know it just has that real uh yeah it's just got a re- really really nice flavor to it that that episode and i think it's one that people are going to frequently look back on with great fondness and number one for me is village of the angels yeah i think I think, you know, without thinking about it, that would have probably been my my number one. Yeah. And again, you know, Jericho, what, what an amazing supporting character. Uh, best use of the angels in, in a long time. Uh, great direction. Uh, really trippy. Incredible cliffhanger. Yeah, just... Uh, I, stonkingly good episode love it um so yeah overall uh, if people are interested in my series rankings you know i've I've kept them pretty much 
as they are uh, from last time we looked at this. Um, so from the bottom, Series 2 still at the bottom. Series 3, even though it's got some great stuff towards the end, I think Series 3 has a very rough run of episodes early on. Series 11, still the worst of the Chippendale era. Series 8, I still... I mean, Series 8 I find difficult in some ways. Then I've got Series 12, Series 6, Series 7, Series 1. Come back, Eccleston, all is forgiven. Mm-hmm. Uh, series 4, Series 10. And then I'm going to slot Series 13 in there. Now, this might this is dependent on if we think about the specials. We haven't seen the centenary special. Could change depending on that. But right now, I'm confident saying Series 13, and in particular Flux, is one of my top three series of New Who. It makes the cut along with Series 5 and Series 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, still right at the top there. Uh, but yeah, it's great! <laughs> I, I, I just... I just... I, I loved Flux on a first watch. In some ways, I enjoyed it even more on a second watch. Um, and I really, really hope when the dust has finally settled on the Chibnall era and people are able to have rational conversations about his era... <laughs> Because we haven't reached that point yet, mm-hmm. I think people will start to acknowledge the sheer amount of work and care and imagination, just endless, boundless imagination that went into Flux uh, to make it something really special. And it really stands out as something different uh, in the grand scheme of New Who. Um, so yeah, I, I love it for that, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm sort of digging my heels in, and will be defending Flux for many years to come. Um, so that pretty much does it. Um, next week we're doing something very special. We've we've done our our sort of general wrap up, you know, the usual pattern of things. Next week would normally be a bit of classic Who. But as something special, we are going to be having a bit of an AMA-style episode. If you're not familiar with the parlance, uh, that means uh, ask me anything. So we have asked some of our listeners to send in some questions. They could be Doctor Who related or not. And we're going to answer them. And I've not looked at the email, so I have no idea yet what we've been asked. And importantly, Um, if you're listening to this, you've probably got about 24 hours to send at us. most, yeah, at most. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't already, get them in. Quick. I'll put a tweet um, out. I'll put another email yeah. out. But yeah, that's that's going to be something a bit different for next week, um, and the week after that, we will be tackling the seventh Doctor because obviously we did the sixth Doctor last time. Uh, we did uh, the Mark of the Rani. And uh, I actually uh, turned to our our lovely uh, Twitter followers for some suggestions for Seventh Doctor stories, because I can't choose. Uh, I've only recently finished watching the Seventh Doctor era in its entirety, and I'm still kind of... I don't quite know how I feel about the Seventh Doctor and his era. Uh, It hasn't quite had enough time to settle in my brain yet, I don't feel like. Um, so I was really, really struggling. 
and you'll have to bear with me whilst my phone wakes up um okay so so i asked our li- listeners uh which seventh doctor story should i subject matt to for the next uh time or space pod i'm thinking maybe something from season 24 as we've not done a story featuring mel yet so that was my leaning but i really didn't have it narrowed down beyond that um so james courtney suggested might as well go for his first and see if it becomes another of matt's favorites so for context that is time of the rani so uh, time and the rani i should say matt does it have uh, anthony ainley's master in it it does not not That's watching it then waste of time okay uh Frank has said, uh, was the one with the licorice all sorts man from the seventh doctor's run to which, uh, BT flippity gigget, uh, said, yep, that's happiness patrol. So that's on the list, Matt, happiness patrol. And you've got a little spoiler there for what might be contained mm, therein. I think I've, I think I've seen that before. I've maybe listened to the cloister bell review though. Yeah. Uh, BT flippity gigget themselves suggested paradise towers. Um, also suggested Greatest Show in the Galaxy or Happiness Patrol. Uh, or you could do Ghost Light, which is just baffling. No one on Earth actually knows what's going on there. Um, and Jacob, uh, Jake from the uh, Married to podcast suggests, uh, well, has said uh, 100% Delta and the Bannerman. Matt likes the goofy ones. So... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just give you these options again, Matt, because you're going to pick. Okay, okay. So um, your options are Time in the Rani, Happiness Patrol, Paradise Towers, or Delta in the Bannerman. Uh, part of me thinks, screw it, let's do Happiness Patrol. Let's see that big sweet man. All right, it is decided. Hold on, how many uh, episodes is it first? I think at most it's four. I think it might be a three-parter. Right. You don't. You, it, they didn't go beyond uh, four-parters in the Seventh Doctor. Really. I, I'm only watching Perfect four two. episodes, David. If it's a six, I'm sorry, you'll have to do the conclusion. Um, let's see. One second. Gosh, my internet is slow today. I think uh, it doesn't like doing... From the 2nd to the 16th. So it must be a three-parter, is it? Three uh, episodes, 25 minutes each. Yeah. Yep. Three episodes. So there you go. Um, so, yeah. Wait a we'll, minute. We'll, this, we'll do, we'll do that does part. this immediately precede Remembrance of the Daleks? Uh, yes, it does. It's, it immediate, immediately follows it, yeah. It's yeah. the next one after Remembrance. Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. So, uh, so Mel's out of luck. He's still not going to be doing a Mel episode. I don't care about her. But, uh, yeah. Uh, let's, uh, I'll, I'll be very interested to see what your thoughts on it. So, Happiness Patrol. That will be happening, not next week, but the week thereafter, listeners. So you've got plenty of time to, uh, to watch that in advance. Um, one more question before we go, Matt. Yeah. Are you ready for this? Matt. Hello. Are you a Doctor Who fan? Nah. See you next week, everyone. 
Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.